Well, good morning and welcome to St. Mary's as we're one way a week away from Christmas. I'm no astronomer, but in places where there isn't all the kind of light. The reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. You'll find this on page 1063 in the Church Bibles, 1063. Gospel of John, chapter 1 and it's verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Right, that sounds a bit better. And uh, do keep the passage open at John 1. As I was preparing and as I looked at the news at the same time uh, as we do, I caught up with what the royals are doing. And um, for a moment, I began to imagine uh, that perhaps I was one of the people um, lined up in front of Sandringham, waiting for the Queen and the rest of the royal family to turn up for the Christmas Day service. Uh, there I was, braving the cold and the snow, possibly, and wanting a glimpse of the Queen and other members of the royal family attending that service uh, Monday of next week. And if I'd been there, maybe I would have returned home and wanted a good hot coffee or chocolate afterwards, and others in the family would have said, how did it go? And I could have said something like this. It was glorious. I actually saw them going into church. It was great to be there. It was a lovely feeling. And as I was thinking of that, and it's come up day after day in the media, what the royals are doing over Christmas, for reasons you'll be well aware of, um, whatever your sense of glory, whatever my sense 
of something glorious might be in seeing that it is absolutely nothing compared with what John is writing about in the introduction to his gospel. And as we pray together, I'd like us just to pray that we get a glimpse of the glory that lasts forever. Let's pray. John says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who comes from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we do pray, dear Father, that this greater glory, this unique <coughs> glory in our world and beyond, we may indeed glimpse more clearly over the days of Christmas, and that it will make a difference to the way we live and what others see in and through us. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. But let me begin not with the 21st century, but the time when John wrote and as most of you will know, the passage we heard read and a little bit more forms the sort of prologue, the introduction to everything else that follows in John's Gospel. It sets the tone and develops the theme of the Gospel itself. But beginning with chapter 1, verse 1, we see the glory revealed... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And immediately we're reminded of the opening verse of the Bible, where in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we read, In the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. And just as Genesis begins with creation, John likewise begins with creation, but soon, as he moves into chapter 3, for example, he turns to what the Apostle Paul was to call the new creation. This is what Paul wrote in his second letter to the church in Corinth, chapter 5 and verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And then the familiar words of John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we, we can't avoid the fact that immediately after this glorious prologue, John 
in his gospel, in chapter 3, is already reminding us that something is fundamentally and seriously wrong in the world in which we live. And it's essentially about us. People like us from the beginning of time through to that time when Jesus returns. We're the problem. So although there is a glimpse for us of the glory revealed, and it's an immensely wonderful and profound theme, we can only ever grasp it in small measure because the context in which we live is one of the glory being rejected. Look with me at verses 9, 10, and 11. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now these words will be read time and again over the next week and in some of the most influential places in our land the words of John chapter 1 thankfully will still ring out. But the story isn't a good one, it isn't a happy one at least initially because it's the story of the glory of God rejected. Now, we need to realise that this isn't, as we sometimes think, a particularly 21st century problem just in the West, although we do see it pretty starkly around us today. Neither then nor now do we humans, the majority of us, recognise the glory of God. In fact, it's a tremendously hard issue to raise with people around us, friends, family members who are not Christians, colleagues at work. There's a resistance to any discussion about the implications of Christmas once you get beyond the externals. It takes divine intervention, the work of the Holy Spirit to turn us around and make us aware of the seriousness of our situation. It struck me again as I was um, enjoying seeing something of the Blue Planet 2 series, uh, a few of them at least, that we make and continue to make here in Britain, quite outstanding documentaries of this type on the natural world around us, with an extraordinary, almost breathtaking beauty as the skill of contemporary technology photographers from the air and within the sea actually bring out to us the wonder of the world in which we live. And those same documentaries have an almost 
a gospel dimension in that there's always an appeal through inevitably David Attenborough that we do something about the mess we've got the created world into. And all of that is surely to be applauded. But where is the recognition that without God's help, we won't even begin to get things right again? We can't do it on our own. And it frustrates me to hear that in these marvellous documentaries, there's no real reference to God as our creator, to whom we are accountable for the way we treat and use his creation. And without that dimension, we're kidding ourselves that we can get it right. We also lament the moral confusion around us, and it grows by the day as we reap the harvest of the secularism we sowed the seeds of over the last few decades. We see, working itself out in different ways, the breakdown of family life, the loss of local community, but we fail to grasp in what nowadays is referred to as the I world, the world in which we live, the world which our technology has created, we actually encourage a rampant individualism that isolates us from one another. The culture in which we live goes to quite extraordinary lengths to encourage us to think that every one of us as an individual has a right to define who we are and how we should live, with no real reference to what the wider community might think or need. As one writer put it, and I quote him, this culture of expressive individualism has become the moral wallpaper of the modern world. You see, this is where the gospel, the good news, what John is writing about, is countercultural. It swims, as it were, against the flow of the society we live in. And John insists that God alone can get us out of the mess we've got into. And that is a message of hope. There is a way out. There is a way forward. There is a greater vision that makes it possible for the, the appeals of people like David Attenborough ultimately to make sense. Because there's always our part in bringing about the change that needs to come. But God alone can get us out of it because that's the way the world in which we live and we humans are wired. So having spoken of the glory revealed and the glory rejected, John then goes on to speak of the glory restored. 
Look with me at verses 12 and 13. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. I'm thinking again of, of, of the royal family and um, the Queen, of course, has invited, as we all know, Prince Harry's fiancée to join the royals for Christmas at Sandringham. But Meghan Markle, welcome though she will be, can never be fully royal. And that's simply because she's not been born into the royal family. The contrast with what God does for us in the coming of Jesus couldn't be greater. When God invites us to become part of his family, we truly and completely become sons and daughters of God. There are no twists and turns in lineage and custom and practice, which means that some of us get a better status than others. Listen again to verse 12. To all, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John's emphatic, we're all invited in. All of us can be part of the, capital letters, royal family, fully and completely. But we must respond to the invitation. We shall never enter into the wonder of Christmas and see his glory until for all our doubts and the difficulties and the ups and downs of daily life, we say yes to him. And I think there's a glorious opportunity as we celebrate Christmas together that those of us who've never clinched the deal, as it were, who suddenly realise, hey, we've got a royal invitation and not responded to it, do something about it. For others of us, it's a question of shrugging off the gradual and dominating influence of the secular society around us and say, yes, this I truly believe, and this is how... I will seek to live. But we do need to make that kind of response. When we get invited to something essentially special, we have to decide, will we say yes or will we say no? And our prayer should be that we say yes to the God of glory and live as John is exhorting us, as those who did receive his Son, to those who do believe in his name, 
and we rejoice in the fact that together, without qualification, we are equally sons and daughters of God. Let's pray. just possible that you may never have responded to God's invitation into his family, in which case you may, may like to make the following prayer your own. Or it may be that you've just drifted and lost the, the cutting edge of the glory of the gospel, in which pray with me, case pray with me the words, that follow. Lord God Almighty, thank you that you love me so much that you gave your son Jesus at Christmas. I've come to realize that I have in fact cut you out of my life. Please forgive me. Thank you that Jesus died so that I can be forgiven for all my sin. I want to receive Jesus into my life, to direct my life for the rest of my life. I want you to adopt me as your child. I want to know you as my loving Heavenly Father, to be part of your family and to be sure of eternal life, life with you forever. Please make me your own today. Amen. If you made that prayer your own, you may like to take one of these little booklets, which are on the table by the door as we leave church this morning. You may like to take one for a friend, because this is a terrific read to remind us that we need to respond to the invitation that God gives to us. And do look in the notices and see if you want to know more what kind of course that's arranged from January onwards might best suit you. Clive, over to you.